0: So, anytime you go into meditation, you find yourself really struggling with it. And I do. It still happens to me. It happens to anyone and everyone as long as they've got a mind. And if you've got a body, you've got a mind running. So, the key is is to make sure you hold your attention on those names, that sacred name. Do it in loving. And the loving and the power of the name, that frequency will lift you above the mind. Now, it may take you two hours to do it. It may take you a half hour to do it, but it will do it. And it's just a matter of sitting there and doing the action. Not even doing the work, it's doing the action, the action of loving. The action of focusing upon the sacred name, that frequency in God. And something else that I have found that's been very interesting is a lot of people have listened to a lot of my talks from the times in the 80s and the 90s uh, up until the very early part of the of 2000 and where I talked more about the psychic realms and they still are referring a lot to that and want that. And I'm having to redirect them into the simpler journey and let go of the other. And I've even been tempted to take away some of those talks because I just don't want to confuse people and I know that they serve people in many ways I know that they give clarity about things that the mind does want clarity about but at the same time I don't want them to be the focus to Focus on angels to focus on spiritual masters of the hierarchy or to focus on these different elements that really have to do with the lower realms the psychic realms the physical realms that have nothing to do with our spiritual journey back home to God. They do have a part and parcel in the journey of the physical awakening and the physical experience. And they do play a part in that. And if we can kind of blend all this together and realize that some parts of the teaching that I've shared in the past are serving more of those levels of life and the ones we've been teaching since 2000, 2001 are really teaching more and serving the spiritual and you can bring them together and they work real well together if you can bring them together but without getting too caught up in the psychic material. Then the journey can be simple because the mind can get a lot of the answers that it needs. So in this journey, keep remembering, simplify, simplify, simplify. Simplify. So if you're finding yourself not having enough material to read, not having enough talks to listen to, not having enough meditation to do, look and see what else there is that you could be doing. But I would advise not just picking up any book around the spiritual quest, per se, because a lot of those books are about the psychic and will confuse you. Rather, look to the other aspects of what we have talked about in this pathway, meditation, self study, study and service. And so if you're finding yourself not really being fulfilled in the meditation itself, if you're finding that the mind is still trying to figure out and understand all these different words and actions and aspects of the spiritual quest or the psychic realms, and you're finding frustration there, look to see what else you might be able to do to answer some of that energy which is self-study or service. Now self-study is really study of the self. That's what journaling is about. Journaling your dreams, journaling your meditation, journaling your journey of the day. What did you experience? What did you do? What did you react to? What did you do in action? That begins to help you understand more about yourself and your journey in a way that you might not otherwise know, self-study. It's not about doing psychology or psychiatry with yourself or others doing it with you. It's not about going to different retreats and classes and weekend experientials having to do with the mind and the emotion and working on those, though that might be a part of it. But it's not the whole of it. It really is about you paying attention, waking up to the moment, and what are you doing right now? What am I thinking right now? Why am I doing this and not that? Why am I saying this to myself or saying this into the world and not something else? And that's where the journaling really does come into play. It really is a self-biography of sitting down every day and writing out all these different things. And I know it takes time. It's one more thing that takes time. Well, this world is all about time, and it all takes time when you are in the physical form. Not in the spirit, but in the physical. So, yes, it takes time, and you may have to give up something else in order to do this. But it will take you out of the mind and into the true awareness of yourself if you'll spend some time every day just journaling, self-study. About your meditation, about your dreams, and about your daily journey in the world. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? What are your reactions? What are your actions? That will be the process by which you really begin to understand yourself at these physical levels. And then you can begin, through self study, to make some new choices on how you're going to respond to things, how you're going to approach things how you're going to word things in your life, in yourself, and in the world so that your life becomes simpler, more grace-filled, and easy. And the mind isn't so much in control or in charge because you are evaluating, you are looking, and you are making choices and decisions. And then there's service. And I know all of us have very busy schedules. And when you hear service, you think immediately, well, I've got to go and deliver meals on wheels or I've got to go and volunteer at at boys' and girls' clubs or just whatever it might be. Well, it isn't necessarily that, though it can be that. There's all kinds of different service. The first service, again, is to yourself. That's first service to yourself is meditation. The second service is self-study. And then to your family, to your friends, and so on but it really is first inside yourself. So pay attention and seeing, are you serving yourself first? Are you taking care of you before you reach out to take care of others? If you have time, if you have the motivation to be of service in the world, then look and see what would serve you in the service. Don't just go out and force yourself to be of service in some way and hurt yourself, but rather look to that area of service that will really serve you in the process because that's what service is about, is serving you as you serve others. It's awakening you into the greater flow of loving, of giving, and of receiving in your action of serving others. So it really is a service to yourself first. So don't do something that you're not going to appreciate or that's gonna be real challenging for you that is gonna be difficult or something where you have to go get an education to do. Do something that is simple and easy and make it a process that is fun rather than difficult and hard. And there's a lot of different actions of service that we can do. It's not just these major ones we often see needing volunteer work and so on. And so it's up to you to find, well, what would that be? And how can you move into that? I did a lot of different things in my youth doing service. A lot of them I enjoyed, and some of them I just did because I didn't know what else to do. But the ones I really enjoyed the most were ones that I could relate to, that I could participate with, which were with children. When I could relate with children in action it woke up the child in me, the playfulness, the loving, the joy, and it took me beyond the mind quite a bit. I found that when I did things having to do with adults, I found it a little bit more challenging because it challenged those things in me where I yet had not grown or learned and come awake. And so I found it a little bit more challenging or frustrating or difficult for me. But I will say this, that sometimes challenging yourself in service is a good way to wake up those areas inside yourself that aren't just willing to necessarily wake up. When I would go to a nursing home and assist there and be with people that were ill and getting elderly and or in the process of dying, that challenged me at the age of 20, 22, 25. That was a challenge to me because I was having to look at A different aspect of life that I wasn't really prepared to and it seemed so far off for me and out of my experience that it was just hard for me sometimes to grasp what was really going on. But in that process I learned a lot about myself. I also learned a lot about compassion and caring of giving and receiving in a very different dynamic than it was with children. Because children are often very open and vulnerable and ready to give and receive. Ready to give. But by the time a person is in their 70s and 80 years old and in nursing homes, they have shut down. They aren't in the process of giving and receiving. They're in the process of protecting, of withholding. And so it's harder to be able to be in actions of true service with many people that have gotten to that place. And so I learned a lot about myself because I had to stretch myself. With kids, you would go in and you'd start playing with them and you'd have to stretch yourself to play, to get down on the floor and play with them and to open up and be vulnerable and and not approach things through the mind and through the adult consciousness, but rather rediscover the playfulness of a child And laugh with them and and become the laughter yourself. But with the adults that were in nursing homes, I found that it was very difficult because where with a child you would sit down and they would open you up into giving and receiving, the adults in the nursing homes did not open you up and they were not opening. And so you just had to be there patient with them and be yourself open to give and open to receive. And find the way to open them up. So I learned a lot through actions of service about myself. And I grew up a lot on the inner levels in doing that. Now, you may not have the time to do all these things I'm talking about. But there is something in the world that you could be doing. It's just a matter of looking to see what it might be and how you could do that. Some organizations require a commitment of so many days a week, or so many hours a week, or so many months of commitment to fulfill things. It's just up to you to look and see what that would be. So, rather than sitting down and reading a lot of books, which is just going to feed the mind and give the mind things to think about, maybe do more action. Find ways to be in action for yourself, through your meditation, through your self-study, and through your service. And begin to allow that inner part of you, which is the divine part of you, to really participate in this life and have more participation, have more action. It's easy and yes, it's it's safe to sit down with a book and read it and look at it and just, you know, take in the words and have the mind contemplate it and think about it and try to develop an understanding with it and think that you're getting somewhere. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. It's really about action in this life if you're walking the path of sound and light. The sound and light pathway is a path of action, of doing, of experiencing. And when you're sitting down and reading a book, you're not necessarily experiencing at those levels. Yes, you may be stirring experience of the mind. The emotions are getting caught up in certain storyline. The body may even be in reaction or action with it. But it's not the same thing as a soul being an experience of itself. The way we experience soul is either going inside in our meditation and experiencing it directly within ourselves, or, by being an experience with other souls, with another person, soul to soul, and learning how to share from that divine aspect of the seed of the soul, which is our true nature, our soul, with the divine aspect of another person, rather than mind to mind, emotion to mo- emotion, or body to body. So pay attention to that even when you're doing your daily work and see if you can begin to raise your consciousness up to the seat of the soul, to your own soul consciousness and begin to relate to them from there and see if your words can come more directly from the soul, from the loving, from the listening, from the experience of that movement between soul to soul rather than just the things and elements of this world. That was one of my actions of service that I did every day as I was growing up after I got out of high school. I worked in several different jobs and in each one my goal every day when I got there was I just said God keep reminding me this is about you in the world as well as me as soul in the world and I want to find God in the world wherever I go help me to do that and I would do whatever job I was doing trying to bring God into the action trying to bring God into the moment and if I was sweeping the floors at the grocery store where I first started I brought God into that and if I was bagging groceries I brought God into that and I did everything I could to stay present and aware of what was going into what bag and what things gonna get crushed, but at the same time I was also aware of God and all this food, God's living essence and all this food that's gonna give life to the body that it's going to be given to. And I was aware of sometimes, not all the time, but the love that people were putting in shopping for their family. I could feel it and I could see it and I would I would give my own loving to that loving as I was packing up the groceries. And it was very interesting. I was at this one grocery store for maybe three weeks and all of a sudden, I had the checkout clerks fighting over me. <laughs> no, no, Jim's going to work at my stand today because where I worked, they had You were assigned to a checker, and you just stayed at that counter, took the groceries out, then came back and packed up the next load and took the groceries out, and that's how you did it. And so one day I asked one of the checkers, says, why, what is this? Why does everybody want me out of all the checkers? And there was like five or six of us. And they said, because there's just something wonderful when you're with us and what you do with the customer that we want to participate in. And I thought, I'm not doing anything, I'm already talking to them, I I help them, I take their groceries out like everybody else, and, and I couldn't figure it out, and so I started paying attention. Well, what is it that they're looking at when I'm doing this? And all of a sudden I realized it was what I was doing, of staying present in the moment with the loving and not getting caught up in the world and the mind and the actions of all that. And they were responding to the movement of loving. Then I moved to another store. Actually, the manager of another store saw what was going on, liked what I was doing, and hired me away from them and offered me more money. So, of course, you know, money does speak. So I went. And I had the same experience there. And I had the same experience at the hardware store, which was a real challenge for me because there I had to actually engage the mind a great deal. I had to know... Sizes of nails, different types of screws, pipes, paint, all this. And I really had to engage my mind. And at first, it was a real challenge. and I really didn't like the job because I couldn't stay focused in God anymore. I had to focus on the mind and getting the mind educated and learning all these different things. And then... When people would ask me about stuff, it wasn't a spiritual action. It was like, okay, so what kind of a screw is that? I've got to find the screws. Where is that at? And it was a real process for me. But eventually I learned enough to where I could do it more fluidly and bring spirit into it. And then it became easier. And then my job just transformed itself into whole other aspects of things. Then I went into the nutrition. And there was a whole other level of learning. The mind had to, I had to go to school for 10 months in order to get my license to be able to be a clinical nutritionist. Well, believe me, there's not a lot of spirit in clinical nutrition. You know, a lot of books to read, a lot of lectures to attend, a lot of tests to take. And I kept looking for God and all that, and I just kept bringing the loving of God into it as best I could. But when you're in those classrooms, it isn't about God and loving and peace and and experience. It's about knowledge and facts and figures and can you retain it and can you process it out again to give to others. And I learned about that, but it gave me, through that, opportunity to serve other people as a clinical nutritionist in a way that I might not have been able to do otherwise. And so I realized that the mind is important. We don't want to, in this pathway, just push the the mind aside and say, well, you're not important, shut up, get out of here. It does play a part in our living our lives and of doing our lives and fulfilling ourselves in the world. And it does give us opportunity to be of service in the world as well. Through clinical nutrition I was able to serve a lot of people and help them with their physical, emotional and mental health. Through the mind understanding, even at the hardware store, I was able to help people and make the process that they were caught up in at the time a little bit easier. People coming in and wanting to paint something and not knowing how to paint and what do I use and how do I do this and what color should I use and, and just different things. Bringing the loving in, bringing that, that presence in of the divine and sharing more from soul to soul rather than mind to mind, it smooths things out and it makes life easier for people. And I had customers both at the grocery store, at the hardware store, at the art galleries and frame shops as well as that the vitamin stores come in over and over and just want me. And I would have people stand, especially at the frame shops, stand and wait for an hour for me to finish up with one customer doing a bunch of paintings or whatever before I could get to them. And they had other people just standing around waiting that could have helped them, but they wanted me. And they couldn't understand why, but I did. It was that movement of spirit, that connection that took place. And we can do this with our own family, we can do this with our friends, and we can do this with any action of service in the world. So be aware this pathway is not about just meditation, it is about life. Life experience. Not just what you're experiencing in meditation. Now, what you experience in meditation is very important, and we want to take that experience in meditation and expand it into our daily life so our life is a living meditation. So if we can do it that way, that's wonderful. But if we need to do it another, then do it another. And then that means we do other actions, self-study and other actions of service so that our life becomes filled with spirit, not just for that moment we're in meditation or, oh, this moment right now because I thought about it. In every place I worked, I didn't do it so much in high school or junior high because I had my notebook right there and I just used it to write in. But every place I worked, I always had a notebook of some kind where I could make notes about what I was experiencing. Now, I couldn't bag groceries and be writing about my experience in the moment, but I would take a mental note so the mind was engaged, the mind was participating, and I could take a mental note of what I just experienced, what what moved, what was different. What did I just realize that maybe I haven't realized before that I could bring the present into this moment? And I would note those things down. And it's anchoring it in that way that you get it. Have you ever had a spiritual experience in meditation or in a dream? And And you think, well, I'll remember that. And you finish your meditation or you wake up from your dream and two minutes later you're going, God, what was that? Golly, I know it was so important. What was that? It was so real. That's why writing it down immediately, as soon as you get up out of your meditation, before you start engaging the mind, write down the experience. And as soon as you wake up from your dream, at least jot down something to bring you back into the dream memory. If you can't write it all down at once, write down key words, and it'll bring you back into the memory of it very quickly. That way you don't, that things don't escape. And I did that throughout my, my careers, if you will, in life. And people would look at me and go, what is that? What are you writing down? Especially when I was a clinical nutritionist. Because I'd have their chart and I'd be working with them and writing down on their chart. And then all of a sudden I'd reach over and I'd just write a couple of words on my journal so I'd remember something. And they'd go, what's that? What are you putting over there? And I'd go, oh, just something I want to remember for myself. You just have to be creative. You have to find your way to wake up, to stay awake, to stay present. And to not get the mind so engaged. And the other thing I would say is pay attention to what the mind is attracted to and see if that is serving you. It's very easy to get caught up in the things and the elements of the world that the mind loves to get engaged in. And oftentimes, it will focus more into the elements of the world, the fear, the bigotry, the anger, the frustration, the limitation, or whatever it might be. The mind will go there and play with it. And I would just advise you to not get caught up in that. Don't let the mind pull you there and listen to those things, go follow after those things, read about those things, Those are the things of the world and we are breaking ourselves free of it, not trying to solve it and not trying to stay present with it. That's why I don't go to violent movies because I don't want to promote violence in the world, but I also don't want to promote violence in myself. And it does that. So I go to movies that are entertaining, that have laughter to them, that have a joyful nature to them, that have a loving nature to them. Well, there's not a lot of movies to go to <laughs> compared to all the other movies out there that are more violent and R-rated and whatever, but that's fine. I'd rather re- watch something on TV that's a repeat or put it in a DVD that's a repeat of something I've watched before and just live that experience again rather than get caught up in something that's going to cause me separation, disturbance, pain, fear, Anxiety. And whether we know it or not, those movies, those storylines will do that to us. Plant a seed in the mind and it will grow. It will take root. And it takes root first underground, unconscious, before it finally shows its first sprout. And then all of a sudden we're in reaction. Because fear or anger or frustration has popped up out of the soil of the unconscious in the mind into the conscious and now we're going, God, what am I so afraid of? What am I so concerned about? We're just going to reaction because this little thing has sprouted itself up out of the unconscious into the mind to cause disturbance. So I do all I can not to plant new seeds in my consciousness that will cause those kinds of things to sprout and to shake me and to get me caught back up in the world. That's why I don't dwell on on the past, the present, or the future. Because the past, present, and future on this timeline of this creation is filled with those things. Filled with it. I just focus on the now. God is now, loving is now, my soul is now, that's what's present. That's what I'm doing. And if I find myself moving with anger, moving with frustration, moving with limitation, I handle it. I look to see, is it inside me? Did I create this? And if I did, then I've got to deal with it and change it, transform it inside myself. so It doesn't cause me to shake and to go back down into the physical journey. And if it's coming from outside myself, I just have to dismiss it and say, I'm not doing that. I'm not participating in that mind. I'm not participating in that world. And let it go and go back into the present moment. In the present moment with God, with loving, with my soul. And see then what's present to do. It sounds like a lot to do, but it really isn't. It's called taking care of yourself. That's service to yourself. Meditation, self-study, and service. Service to yourself first. Nurture yourself. Take care of yourself. Serve yourself. Love yourself. Honor yourself. Honor yourself enough not to feed yourself with negativity, with anger, with frustration outside the world. And there's plenty of it. If you don't believe it, I'll take you down to Congress, to the Capitol, and we'll walk in and we'll go visit the Republican side and we'll go visit the Democratic side. And by the time you leave, you're going to be angry, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be confused because you're either going to have heard everything that you're against or people trying to put limitations on you and your beliefs and your actions, all of that. It's everywhere, and it's so easy to get caught up in. Do what you can to stay neutral to it all, stay loving with it all, and allow the world to do what it's going to do, and realize you don't have to be a part of it, you don't have to do it, and you're not the cause of it, and therefore you're not the solution of it. All right. I guess that's it. Oh, my battery is dead. (laughs) Guess that means over and done with. All right, we'll we'll see you all next Sunday. If not, oh no, we'll see you tomorrow. uh, Not tomorrow, Saturday.